reading from the book of Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 and verse 14. It says here, And these, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. You ever think that this would be just another meeting? You come to church, you enter through the gates in the front out here. Some of us walk to church through the gates out front. Oh, it's just another meeting. I know how it starts. I know how it ends. I know most of the people there. So it's just another meeting. Can you imagine that in this time that I just read about? These folks had gone through something. Probably bigger event in their life than would ever transpire. Many of them had seen Jesus before he was crucified and then heard of his resurrection. And hundreds actually saw him after he rose from the dead. And they could verify it. They were witnesses of the most incredible time probably in the history of mankind. And they looked on this as an incredible event. Probably didn't even know how to explain it. How do you tell your kids? How do you you, you speak of this subject? Because it was kind of mysterious. Maybe they'd heard about Lazarus. Lazarus had been... He had been dead. And Jesus came a little late and then called him out of the grave. Kind of a forerunner of what was going to happen shortly thereafter. But uh, it did happen. And now these folks had seen Jesus and heard some instruction that they were to uh, tarry in Jerusalem until that time when they would be endued with power from on high. And uh, it sounds like they took it pretty serious. It was serious. And uh, they were being educated, it seems, day by day, hour by hour, on a subject they knew so little about, really. The disciples were there, and uh, they were doing what they could, no doubt, to explain what they could explain. They'd been with Jesus quite a bit for that three-and-a-half-year period of time. But now here they are. Is this going to be like... The other times, like going to temple, like going to the synagogue, or wherever they might have gone to worship? Or was this going to be something unique? Well, it was something unique. It says, these all continued. That's the first clue in this particular verse. They continued. They didn't start something, uh, go to a a meeting or two, and then... uh, Kind of, well, you know, I've got other things to do. I've I've got other priorities. I've got a living to make and so forth. No, it says these all continued. You get the idea that they did this continuously, for lack of a better word. They just kept doing it. They kept going together and, and it says with one accord. That's the key word as well. And in prayer and supplication. And they were with people. 
We're with people. We like being with people. And and they gathered together. It even mentions that there was an upper room. I was wondering about the size of the upper room. Chances are it was not that big. But as they would begin to gather, whether they were not at the temple, but at the upper room, they may have been outside too. They may have gone and prayed and there's no room to get inside this upper room. So we're praying here where we can pray and there's no restrictions. I've wondered about the priests and the high priests. <laughs> they, they were racking their brain, no doubt. They're not happy campers with what was going on. This complete defied everything they'd ever been taught and ever, ever, they'd ever taught and ever, anything they'd ever done before. Jesus had stepped on the scene and was only there really a short time and everything changed. It especially changed following his crucifixion and resurrection. And it was a whole new day for Jerusalem and they heard the message, and they rallied, they rallied the troops, so to speak, and they were in agreement. They were in one accord. You go to chapter 2. You have to kind of go through this quickly because we don't have enough time. But you go to chapter 2, verse 1, and it says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord. Interesting. In one place. They were still in one accord from chapter to chapter. But there may have been a bit of time had elapsed. Remember, from the time Jesus rose from the dead till the time that he ascended into heaven, I believe was 40 days. So there was that period of time where they were exposed to the fact that Jesus was alive. They didn't understand it, but they, they were talking. They had to be talking about it. How could you not talk about it? I'm sure they did. I'm sure they gathered together every time they got together. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. What does that mean? Jesus is alive. <laughs> and, and they were, they were conversing on the subject. This was exciting. This was not just another meeting. And neither was the day of Pentecost. That was approximately when that day was fulfilled, it was another 10 days that elapsed. They had been praying, no doubt in seeking the Lord, asking questions of the Lord, calling upon the Lord, doing what we do sometimes, right? We pray and we seek the Lord and we call upon the Lord for answers to our questions. I think that's what they were doing. But they had some direction there. The Holy Spirit, He the third person of the Trinity was directing their steps in this unknown situation. And it was a good situation. But they had learned something about this being in one accord. We understand to be in one accord would very likely mean that one would need to be sanctified. We understand that we need to be saved from our sins. That's for sure. That's for real. But the necessity to go a little further with the Lord would be consecrating our lives, surrendering our lives, to be obedient to the directions that God would, would give us. And we could follow that step by step and by faith, for sure. But being in one accord would be very unique to a society 
any society. But this was a new society. This was a new uh, situation that had transpired primarily there in Jerusalem. And they were learning as they go or learning as they pray. You know, it's a good thing to pray. Sometimes when we're first introduced to the subject of prayer, we've heard it maybe many times, but we maybe really didn't understand it. We didn't realize, what do I pray for? Who do I pray for? Do I pray for myself? Do I pray for somebody else? How do I pray? They probably were learning that subject. Step by step, they were learning what they needed to pray about. And if they couldn't figure it out, maybe they talked to somebody else. They shared the subject with one another. No doubt they weren't just praying all the time. They would have times where they were doing other things. But they would no doubt converse and say, what have you been praying about? I don't know. I just know that that we were instructed to pray like this, that we could seek the Lord, and we're supposed to wait. We're supposed to wait on the Lord. And that is what they were doing. On that day of Pentecost, the Holy Ghost came down and anointed these people with power from on high to make them witnesses. It was not a, it was an unusual situation, but they needed to be witnesses. They needed some power outside of themselves. You know how it is when you try to do things on your own? Pretty well flops most of the time. But if you have the Lord by your side or within you, so to speak, makes a big difference, doesn't it? To know that God is on your side or that you're on his side, but mostly he's on your side, and that you can walk with him and talk with him, tell him your concerns, and he hears you. He understands you. And he directs you. And by the Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity, he directs our steps. He gives wisdom. He gives understanding. He guides us into all truth. We're grateful for that. We don't want to go on a, on a, on a loan, on a loan or by ourselves. That's for sure. Skip to, in chapter two, go down to verse 42. And they continued, surprise, and they continued steadfastly. That must have been an earnestness about their continuing. We're moving into the book of Acts now, and they were continuing steadfastly. Puts a little emphasis on the continuing part. And they were continuing in what? In the apostles' doctrine. They had been taught something by the apostles that were there, by these disciples. They were being taught things they needed to know. And in fellowship, they had a unique relationship, not with everybody, but with the people of God. They had a fellowship. And in breaking of bread... They were having services where they had communion services, if you will, an ordinance service. I don't know if they had water baptism or or, or washing disciples' feet or just um, passing around the grape juice and participating. They didn't have any book to look it up in necessarily. They were kind of on their own, but they weren't on their own. The Holy Spirit was guiding them into all truth. So they were kind of learning as they go and having a good time doing it, I believe, and in prayers. So if you're writing a sentence, you have to kind of consolidate it sometimes. And that's what they did with this Bible. That's what Luke did when he wrote the book of Acts. It's tremendous how he can put so much in so in such a short space. You move on. They weren't stopping. 
they were continuing. I might just mention quickly, not quickly, try to pay attention to this. I wish I had, a, had it on a screen. It would be a lot easier to follow. With one accord. What does that mean? We've heard about with one accord for a long time, and we've heard, heard it explained for probably a long, long time. Many of you have heard it explained. But some of us are new on the scene, so to speak. I'm not that new, but been around a little while. And with one accord is a very, very important part of this text. With one accord, this word is very expressive. It signifies that all their minds, affections, desires, and wishes were concentrated in one object. That concentrated word threw me a little bit. It's an archaic word. That's why we don't use it. Maybe it's used in Scrabble. I don't know. Ask Brother Nolan about that. Concentrate. It means to, to being toward a common center. So it's just that idea of unity again. They were concentered. All that they were doing was uh, in this, uh, in one object. Every man having the same end in view and having but one desire. They had but one prayer to God and every heart uttered it. There was no person uninterested. How about that? No person uninterested. You ever start telling a story and realize the person you're telling it to could care less what you're saying? That's an awful feeling. I've had that experience. There was no person uninterested, none unconcerned, none lukewarm, and all were in earnest, and the Spirit of God came down to meet their united faith and prayer. And that, is, that, is that Pentecost? In one accord. They were there, and the Spirit of God came down on these people because they were in one accord. How unique. Adam Clark, where this definition is from, he goes on to say, kind of fits us today, when any assembly of God's people meet in the same spirit, they may expect every blessing they need. That's good. Because there's times that God's people need every blessing we need. Not necessarily that we want, but what we need. That's the best part. I thought we should cover that, that definition because it's a good one. Go on from there. How do you prepare for a special guest coming to town? Or a special guest coming to dinner? How do you do that? Somebody is very, very special. They're very, very important. They're coming to dinner. Oh, you've got to clean the house. You've got a lot of preparations to be made. You want the best food? You want the best china? The best silverware? The best glassware, even if it comes from Target? The best tablecloth? Cloth napkins, aren't they wonderful? And there's a lot of other things you could have there. Because... You've got somebody special coming. Isn't that the way we feel about wanting the Holy Spirit to come into a meeting? He is the best guest of all. When he comes in, he comes with a purpose and a plan and a victory and an opportunity and a, and a healing touch. That's the Holy Spirit when he comes. We, as God's people, are able to make preparations for his coming. In modern days, in, in our day and age, we, we have meetings coming up this week and, uh, and 
week after and so forth, where we're going to get together as a group of people and we want to have the table all prepared, all just as perfect as we can possibly make it. And it will not be just another meeting. We don't want just another meeting. We want to enter into the house of God expecting the best ever. Even though the last time I was here was the best ever. Besides, we don't know how many meetings we get, really, do we? The meeting that we're in, oftentimes times for some, it's their last meeting. Although I've read that the safest place to be is in the house of God, if you want to do statistics on it. Most people don't die in the house of God. Did you know that? There's a big list of things where people die, and the house of God is not one of them. It's extremely rare. Maybe you know somebody who died in church. I think I heard of one person in the last 50 years. But see, it's very rare. So it's a safe place. This is a safe haven to come into the sanctuary. We're, 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 on, we're on hallowed ground, so to speak. And we invite a special guest to visit us here. Psalms, in the book of Psalms, chapter 24, verses 4 and 5, and we'll wrap it up here. He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Don't you feel that that's the way we should be? Clean hands, pure heart. We come before the Lord with clean hands and a pure heart. If we don't have clean hands and a pure heart, we know where we can get them. God can do that. He's capable. We may be incapable of a lot of things, that's for sure. But God is capable of all things that need to be. We're going to have a time tonight to pray, time to prepare, a time to sing. We have an opportunity. Shall we stand and sing a song? 489.